0: You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold-out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guests. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Up to the Mic. Today, we've got a great show for you. We've got Josh Pulgarty on to share with us all about his life and his newest venture, Trip Ally. Uh, as we get kicked off here, Josh, I want to give you the floor and just give the listeners a little bit of a background into who you are, what your upbringing was like, and then carry us all the way into what you're doing these days. And we'll just kind of go with the conversation from there.
1: Yeah, Vinny, sounds great. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure, honor. I'm a listener, I'm a fan all of those things. Uh, so I, I, it's an honor to be here, but uh, yeah, a little bit about me. I'm, I'm kind of, I'd call myself a basic dude. I, I I grew up in Atlanta, South side of Atlanta, the land of the golf carts as they call it. There's just golf cart paths everywhere. And even if you don't golf people ride along on their golf carts and I come from that world and, and uh, <clears throat> grew up kind of a, as a Southern transplant, you know, mom's from Michigan and dad's straight out of Hungary. So we were, we're just kind of confused by the Southern thing. Uh, at first, and then uh, we got comfortable with it, and and uh, here we are. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, I, I, I went to college in the southeast, was trying desperately to become a college professor. I really had uh, some great influences in my life, uh, and, and, I, and I wanted to emulate them. You know, I wanted to be like them, but I, I ended up taking a different direction and, and really worked with my hands for most, most of my 20s as a window cleaner, um, which is not the sexiest of occupations, but it is... Rewarding, <laughs> um, for sure. I still like kind of pine for those days where it was just like throwing ladders up against houses and and uh, working with my hands. But um, at a certain point, I realized that wasn't going to be a a very long term. Shall we say, in my particular case, I wasn't going to re- retire comfortably in that world. So I knew having a family and and kids and that sort of thing uh, wouldn't be sustainable necessarily. So. I I just took some time off and traveled. Um I ended up in jail in Prague at one point, uh through through no fault of my own. Um honestly no fault of my own. They let us go the next day when they when they saw the camera footage. <laughs> but uh spent the night in jail with a couple other guys. Um and uh and that was really interesting, really, really inspiring, <laughs> to say the least. Um so uh so I I did some soul searching, you know, people kinda go on these these vision quests, and I, I didn't know that that's what it was at the time. But, uh, but, but, you know, things kind of come together. You realized you're a, you're a way overeducated, uh, window cleaner or, or window cleaning manager and, uh, and you, and you start to connect some other dots. So I got, I got deep into, into marketing. I started as a freelancer, um, uh, you know, mercenary gun for hire kind of guy. Um, and then I went corporate for a number of years at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Acuity Brands Lighting and um, and decided at a certain point that that wasn't for me. So um, I got involved in the agency world and nearly bought into an agency uh, out of Atlanta and uh, and and things went south there, too. And it just kind of struck me, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. You've got ideas. You know, you keep waiting for that that quiet Friday to come around where you can knock out some personal projects and it just doesn't come like it just never shows up for some reason. <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, and that that brings me up to today where I, I left corporate maybe six months ago and immediately started three businesses. And one of them is Tripoli or Trip Ally or however people want to say it is, uh, is fine. So that's how we got that's a long story for how we got from, uh, f- from birth to today. Well, I want to
0: before we jump into your ventures today. I want to jump back to something you said. If you were going to be a college professor, what was your area of expertise that you wanted to go into?
1: I I was a history grad. Okay, um, so I I studied history. I had these these super inspirational professors that just kind of enlightened me to so much of the world. And I thought, <laughs> man, if I could just do that for somebody else, like that, that would be the most meaningful thing I could do. So I came close. <laughs> but. Well,
0: you now, you grew up in Atlanta or at least were born there. You mentioned now you reside in Tennessee. Was that a huge transition for you? Did family bring you that way? What was the, I guess, draw to coming to Tennessee?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I mean, as with most things, <laughs> there was, there was a girl involved. Vinny. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I went to college in this area. So it was it was familiar, it was comfortable and, and I like it. Chattanooga is, is a hot spot, uh, and for good reason for a lot of people these days. And um it made it really easy to to come back here and pursue a, a relationship that, that didn't end up working out, which is fine. Um, but then you know, testament to Chattanooga, Tennessee is that I'm still here twelve years later, you know. Um so yeah. And, and, you know, still spitting distance from, from Atlanta and my family, they're all still down there.
0: Awesome. Well, sounds like a good transition. It worked out for you 12 years later. Um, I, I don't want to pry too much, but did the girl turn out to be a, uh, a wife or a family in any former facet or it, it, did it just bring you there and now everything else kind of elevated into what it is today?
1: The, the relationship did not develop to that point. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so. Uh, you know, Chattanooga is so good that I decided to stay anyways.
0: Fair (laughs) enough. Well, we're happy to hear it. And now I do want to transition a little bit into your business life. You've got three, or you mentioned that you started three different entrepreneurial ventures. Of those, one is the one that I mentioned previously, Tripoli or Trip Ally. Um, maybe one, give us a brief synopsis of all of your ventures, and then we can dive deep into, uh, Tripoli and, and talk about all that you're doing these days.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, uh, I'm going to do this in a little bit of a roundabout way, Um, and it'll make sense, I hope, uh, at the end. But when when I left my job in July of 2023, I I didn't know I was doing an experiment, but I kind of did an experiment, and and that was I did a blast on LinkedIn. I said, "Hey, I've got I've got free time. I've got a little bit of experience. Anybody who wants to talk to me, they can talk to me." And I just and I through a Calendly link out there and, you know, there's 10 slots and however many slots I fill, I'm just going to, I don't, it could have been you. It could have been anybody. I I, would have talked to you and like, Hey, I don't know. Can I help you? Can I not help you? And if, if I can, great. If I can't, I'll tell you and it'll be nice to meet you. So I ended up filling five of those 10 slots, which, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself especially popular or even likable, but it's just like, I, I filled five out of 10. That's great. I'm going to talk to five people. If I know I'm good, if I don't good. And, and out of that sort of just, I, I don't want to call myself <laughs> generous, uh, but, but it was just just sort of a generosity of time, just like throwing it out there saying, Hey, if I can help you, give me a call. And, um, no strings attached. So out of that sprang three businesses, one of which is a marketing consultancy, um, Uh, called asymmetry consulting i've I've got a good partner in um, for 30 years and um and then of course there's tripoli or trip ally um which we'll get into and then uh, believe it or not i'm selling sheets very very soon um like that's that's yeah i know it's weird (laughs) <laughs> I I did I did not have a passion for sheets until about six months ago, and I, I guess I can explain. I feel the need to explain it, please. <laughs> so, um, so I I went from being mildly irritated every time my wife wanted you know to change the sheets and needed my help with it, to to now very passionate about sheets, and it's because I listened to a Mike Rowe podcast where he was uh, he was talking to this guy uh, Luke Mickelson who started a uh, now a now huge organization that builds beds for kids. And I was like, this is a fascinating story. Like these kids don't have beds. This guy builds the beds. Great. It, it's amazing. And, and now he's got like 400 chapters of, uh, you know, people volunteering to build beds for kids. And I thought that's a fantastic story. I want to be a part of that. And so uh, I got a partner and and we decided to go in on uh, selling sheets sort of in the Tom's one for one model, which is, Hey, you buy a set of sheets, we'll donate a set of sheets to this organization and other organizations that build beds for kids. Um, and, uh, and we're hoping people kind of fall in love with that story and fall in love with those kids who can really use it. So, uh, we call it Luff. So fall L U F F. Um, so that's my defense of why I'm so passionate about sheets. Now <laughs> when I, <laughs> when I was not interested before, and now I, I actually, really love our sheets. I don't sleep on anything else. So,
0: well, it sounds like a great story. Yeah. So I might have to go invest in, uh, invest in it a little bit or at least invest by purchasing.
1: I'll send you a discount. code.
0: All right. There we go. (laughs) Well, no. Okay. So I actually really like that idea and it means so much more when you have a cause within it. Um, previously the podcast was, um, I was running an advertisement for a friend of mine who had created a company. And I actually had both of the founders on an episode during season one, um, similar concept, not sheets, but in the sense that we're gonna build a brand around something that is charitable in nature. So the root cause of it is not necessarily to be profitable, although that is the end goal, but in doing so, we're also gonna do our part in giving back. While theirs wasn't necessarily kids in need of sheets or a bed or whatever it may be, it was more so geared towards improving the environment in any way that they can. And so shout out to Footy International for selling socks and using completely recyclable or um, nature-made materials. I'm probably butchering their concept there, but they've got the whole tagline and the way that they donated um, to entrepreneurial ventures um, or environmental ventures whenever that was the case when people purchased a pair of socks. Um, Really cool idea, and I think that just enhances the brand so much more when people can not only appreciate the quality of what they're purchasing – but in addition to it, feel like they're doing something charitable in the same regard. So really cool what you're doing. I applaud you for it. Um, One of the things, transitioning a little bit, that I always find difficult is working completely from home. I'm someone that has this creative outlet, and I didn't always work from home pre-COVID. I traveled for work almost exclusively. Um, Life as a consultant was always meeting with people, meeting with clients, life on the road. And I loved it, loved every second of it. There are perks to being in my home office and having the ability to constantly interact with both my family life and my work life whenever I need to. However, there is a struggle there with being able to connect with people on a more personal level. And so I say that to prompt you to shift into our conversation about Tripoli a little bit and maybe explain how the idea came up from conception and where it's grown to these days.
1: Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, the The original conceit was, I, I've been self-employed off and on for for years, you know, and every time April fifteenth would roll around, you go, you're doing your taxes, and you go, you know, darn it, I, I really should have traveled for business more. Like I, I, I could write it off if 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 I knew you at the time when I, when I when I came up with the idea, I I, I could have traveled to Texas, uh, networked with you. Hung out, talk shop, um, and it would have been a perfectly viable business trip. Um, and and at the time I I didn't really have connections. Like I, I didn't know you were in Texas. You know, I don't know anybody in San Francisco or Detroit or or wherever. I, I don't have a reason for that business travel, but I want that business travel, which has been advertised, or maybe not advertised, but kind of in the zeitgeist of entrepreneurial you know, pursuits, which is like, Hey, you can travel for business. And if you have a steak while, while you're in Texas and you can write it off, that's just cherries on top. And I was like, I, I would like to have that lifestyle and I would like other people to have that lifestyle. So why can't we just connect people across the internet to encourage them to meet in person and develop that travel lifestyle as an entrepreneur? I mean, that a lot of people really want and some lucky few have achieved, you know, like the the digital nomad culture has been going on for a decade or more. Somehow there's some lucky guy who's, who's from Florida, but he lives on a houseboat, um, outside of San Diego and he travels to Mexico to work. And it's just like, I don't know how that works. I, I did, did I grow up too poor or I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was the original idea, um, which is why it's called Tripoli. Um, and, and it says Trip Ally right in it. It's cause I got a, I got my buddy Vinny in Texas. I'm going to go visit him. Um, but then, the more feedback I got, it, it was—we sort of unearthed a, a different problem, and and people close to me, who who I've met with and sort of bounced ideas off of, the the, the real problem seems to be people really wrestle with networking. They they really re- wrestle with defining networking, like is it is it going to your chamber of commerce event and shaking hands and you know, getting stuck in a conversation with that guy that is like so much of a close talker that you can smell the beer on it. You know know what I mean? Yeah. Like, (laughs) and to a degree it is, but, but, you know, is, is LinkedIn networking? I I've got some questions about that. You know, like I, I'm not so sure it's networking at this point. Um it seems to me that it all comes down to who do you call and who calls you when you need something or when they need something, that's your network. Um, And, and I think we're having a hard time breaking through the digital barrier to get to that point where you're talking to somebody live and in person or through a zoom even where it's personal. And that's what we're trying to foster at Tripoli, which is a lot of people have a hard time seeing it, but if, if you picture a map on your phone, And you see a bunch of heads pop up on the map and say, hey, this is Vinny. You know, he works for PwC and these are the reasons he's open to networking. And you could schedule a meeting with him next Thursday because he hangs out at Starbucks on Thursdays from four to five and you can meet with him there just like that. And he's open to it because his expectation is to meet with people. So anyways, I'm rambling, but hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture of what I'm trying to break through, which is kind of the LinkedIn, like, here's my here's what I want you to think of me versus let's actually meet and get to know each other.
0: No, I love it. Maybe break it down for the users and put it into less of a conceptual sense and more of a concrete example of, is it an app that you download? Is it a website that you, I guess, search or go to? How do people take part in Tripoli?
1: (laughs) Vinny, that that would have been really valuable for me to start. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now it is an app um, and we will be launching it incredibly soon. We're doing beta testing uh, for anybody who wants to get involved with that. Um, so, so it, it is an app. You do pop it open on your phone and you do find people to meet with on the phone who also want to meet with other people um, for business. It will be a a browser app um, in the near future, but we are not developing at, uh, that at this point just yet.
0: Okay. Well, one thing I'm curious about, and thanks for the clarification there, um, (laughs) is when we think about your past experience as a marketer, I'm sure that transitions into your entrepreneurial life as well. How do you approach marketing a new app idea or a new software, whatever, you know, the app that you're building right now with something that is so Reliant on users, so needing a lot of people to actually have the app work as intended. What is your plan for marketing the app and getting people involved and spreading awareness for Tripoli?
1: Yeah, you know, Vinny, that's a great question because j- just like, just like with writing a paper for a college professor or or golly, cooking your own food, you you're you're too close to it to like really like have a good perspective on it like so for example you you asked me a good question a second ago it was like be more practical <laughs> what is tripoli and i was like oh yeah i should have said that because i'm too close to it you know um so it is a challenge and we do have this challenge of on the one hand you need a lot of people on it for it to work on the other hand you need to get a lot of people on it without them seeing how it works and to be honest, I have not really conquered that as a problem yet, except to generate lots of content and hopefully awareness around the product prior to launching it. So if this resonates with somebody or they see a blog that we put out there where they're going like, how do we, how have I been approaching networking? Like we're hoping they're they're going to see screenshots of the product and it's just light bulbs are going to go off, you know? So. <clears throat> well,
0: if you need beta testers. Happy to volunteer, and I will definitely be a full-time user whenever it actually launches because I'm really interested in the idea. When we think about the conception of the podcast, Up to the Mic, the entire purpose around it was to network for myself. And obviously, with all of that, maybe go following and encourage other people to live a story-worthy life based on the people that I interview. So when we think about the mantra of Up to the Mic, it is sharing the story of people, and it's... In- encouraging or inspiring other people to live a story-worthy life of their own. That's kind of the tagline, right? Well, at conception, that wasn't always the idea of the podcast. It was originally going to be called um, Over a Drink, whether that be a beer, a coffee, whatever kind of floats your boat there. I was going to sit down with people one-on-one and have a conversation and literally just use the entire thing as a way for me to meet other people, other entrepreneurs, other people that I found interesting. Then it kind of blossomed into what it is today. And it kind of sounds like you had a little bit of an epiphany, which I'm sure most ventures go through. In the early stages, you've got this concept and you've got this idea. As you start taking action and you start putting the pieces together, it molds and it transitions into something new, has the resemblance of what you initially started and was created in your mind, but turns into something completely different. And so it's cool to hear someone that's actually out there doing it. Um, I think one thing that I've always struggled with is being able to market, find the time to market, pour into the podcast in the way that it probably deserves to share the stories in such a regard that I actually want people to read it or want, or want people to listen to it. And hearing from someone that came from a background in marketing is going into this entrepreneurial venture and is actually like putting action, putting pin to pad and doing it is really inspiring. So hopefully that resonates with the listeners a little bit and they're able to go out on their own And the reason I'm mentioning all this in a little bit of a roundabout way is because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are younger entrepreneurs, um, college students that want to potentially venture out into that world on their own. And so a question I have for you is when you think about your early career, being in the corporate world, what was it that allowed you to take that step away and go on that travel excursion and, and do that experiment, as you called it? And meet with these people, and leave your corporate role to take on the unknown of what you're doing today, because I think that's a problem that a lot of people struggle with. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, And as I sit here and think about my answer to that question, I remind me to ask you about your networking pursuits because it it, it sparked something in me that I'm curious about. But um, it's it's all practicality, in my opinion. I was, I was meeting with somebody, uh, this morning as a matter of fact, and, and we were talking about one of his pursuits and, and, and he's gotten some enlightenment around when you seek pleasure, you usually get pain as a result. And when you seek pain, you usually get pleasure. Um, which is a really interesting thought because he, 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 he runs a, uh, a, a community networking group, basically, of people who who dunk themselves in icy cold water. Like I think it's tw- it's going to be twelve degrees tomorrow morning here, and they're going out to the river and they're getting in the river. And it's just like and 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 they do it to sort of do something hard together, which fosters community. And and so that seeking of pain is is where sort of the 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 life is. So that's a very very long way for me to say that I'm miserly. <laughs> I save money. You have to be very practical in your twenties and in your thirties, where if you're maxing out your, your paycheck every week or two weeks or whatever it is, you're going to find yourself without any options at a certain point. Um, thankfully growing up with not nearly enough to spend, I just, anytime I earned money, I kept it. So at a certain point I had the flexibility to go, okay, I can go to Europe for two months and I can, and I can think about life and, and, and I'll be fine. I haven't gotten married. I haven't had kids yet. Um, this is something that i, that I have the flexibility to do um and same when I left my my agency in in July last year it's I've saved responsibly, I don't max out my paycheck and and I can pursue this and take a shot at investing in myself um versus getting the next new pair of whatever chunk of flip flops or whatever I'm into I'm, <laughs> so uh did that answer your question? Yeah, I don't
0: know if Chacos are the best approach to 12-degree 12, twelve degree weather in Tennessee, but if uh, if that's what you're up to, then go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that actually reminded me – I'm someone that uh, – I used to have a, a big love for reading, and I've always had a big love for running that I grew into early in high school. And the reason I say that is because I was reading something a long time ago. And it brought up this concept of encountering something hard or performing the most difficult task you have to do that day first thing. That way the rest of your day seems easy. And it reminded me when you said pain usually brings pleasure. And so when I think about that translated to today, not every day, but most mornings I like to wake up and run before I go into work. And even though I enjoy running, it's not always the easiest thing to do. I I'm sweating, I'm burning calories. I'm being active. The hardest part of my day is over by 7. AM. And that's the way I kind of perceive it. Anything else that happens to me throughout the day, my life as a consultant, my life working on the podcast, my life as a husband or a, uh, a dog dad, everything else gets easier throughout the day because I've already knocked out the hardest thing I had to do by 7. AM. And so when people, kind of wrap their head around the concept that what you do right now is going to influence what happens to you later on. I think it's easy to change your perspective a little bit. So I like that. Um, I'm curious to hear your, or go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was just going to say it's, it's momentum too. You know, a a buddy of mine calls it eating the frogs first. It's the same concept. It's it's, is if, if you're painting a room, do the hardest part first, which is the, the edge. And yep. you know, do your taping and all, that. and then and then get the roller out and do the satisfying part. It builds that positive momentum, sense of achievement, the dopamine, all all the things that you need um, to to really, um, I would say, per, perform confidently and at your highest for the rest of the day. So I like that. Yeah, good on you.
0: <laughs> well, like I said, it's not a. Uh, I'm not perfect. It's not an everyday thing, but it's a it's a, sh- a goal I strive for. I, I, I ran this morning, and it's actually a funny story. I uh, My wife was laughing at me when I got back because it's very cold in Dallas. I can't say it's 12 degrees. Earlier this week, it was 12 degrees, which is not super common, um, but it was 25 this morning or so. And anyways, I say all that to mention that I ran on the treadmill as opposed to going out on the streets. And so I'm on the treadmill at my apartment complex, and I'm already about a half a mile in, and another guy hops on a treadmill a couple down from me. and Usually, it's pretty much just me there early in the morning, and so I was sitting. I was like, oh, I got some company today, and as I'm running, I realize that I'm usually the one longest on the treadmill, so if I'm running five miles, most people aren't hopping on the treadmill and running five miles, not to pat myself on the back because I run pretty slow, to be honest, but I'm just there for a long time, and, and so this guy hops on, and he's running, and sure enough, we get like 30, 40, 45 minutes in, and I'm like, God, this guy's still on the treadmill with me. And so I get to my five mile marker and the treadmill set to cut off in like an extra two minutes. And I'm like, you know, the competitive spirit came out of me a little bit. And I said, no, <laughs> like I'm not going to let this guy come and outrun me here in, in, you know, my treadmill. And so I start clicking up a few more minutes. So I'll go another mile and see if he stays on. So I get all the way to mile six and he's still on the treadmill. I'm like, golly, I'm like, this guy is just like, he's never going to stop is he? So I pop it up again. And about six and a half miles in, he finally clicks out and hops off the treadmill. And I was like, okay, I won today. I'm good. I got my competitive edge out of me already. And I went on and finished that sixth or that seventh mile. Um, so random yeah, story, say, but.
1: You got another problem as, as soon as the competition's over is you can't let him know it was a competition. So you have yeah. to hang out for like another seven minutes.
0: Yeah, just play it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, Vinny, let me ask you something. <clears throat> So you said one of the, one of the benefits of your podcast is, is that it does increase your network. Um, what, what, how how deep into your career are you and why did you feel like your network wasn't what you wanted it to be?
0: So I am about two and a half years into my career. I am in like a middle management position and It's not that my network wasn't necessarily what I wanted it to be. It was that I look to where I kind of have the dreams and aspirations to be one day and realize that to get to that next level, I'm probably not going to get there on my own. And so whether or not I meet all these people and nothing comes from it, that not being the end goal, at least I've got people I can, at the very least, use as resources in the event that I do have a question or I do have some specific outreach I'd like to promote, I've got people I can count on or learn from in that regard. So when I think about why I wanted to do it, it was, yeah, to meet more people, maybe further my career one day. But at the same time, if you haven't noticed yet, I love to talk. And it was just having more people to connect with. And it sounds like a pretty basic answer to the question. But my why was I want to know more people because the opportunity expands with the more people you know and know on a more relational level as opposed to just surface. And so that's the why. But when I think about what could come of it in the future, could be more job opportunities, could be more money one day, could just be a friend that I can call on when I'm in Tennessee the next time and go have a beer or something. You know what I mean? So there was no like deep desire to I've got to get to this point in my career or, or this specific role. So I'm going to reach out to people that are only dedicated to this type of finance or this type of consulting or whatever it may be. That's kind of the field I'm in more. So I just want to hear what other people have to say, and maybe it'll change my view on what I'm doing currently. Maybe I don't want to do finance and consulting. Maybe I want to do something completely different. And so that's why I think it could evolve into something new one day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. and, and, by the way, very smart. Um, so (laughs) dumb guys like me get 20 years into their, into their career and they, I'm not calling anybody else dumb. I'm calling myself (laughs) dumb, which, which is you, you think that there's a hard way and easy way to build your network. It seems to me. Um, and the hard way is kind of what I did, which is you've got 20 years, a handful of different jobs, a handful of different relationships, yeah, sure. Maybe now, you know, if I come from marketing, maybe I have a friend in accounting now or a friend in finance or underwriting or, or or whatever. And, but, but it's really kind of luck driven. Um, and, and you, you show up every day, you do the hard stuff. You have a positive attitude, your shirts tucked in, you're respectful, you're sucking up to that director, you know, like it's not even doing everything right with traditional networking. It's still a game of chance um that that's very hard one i think um you know so that's the hard way and and that's that's kind of a reason why we built tripoli is i think you have a a younger demo um that that listens to your stuff and i just picture myself coming out of college like if i look two decades into the future and i climb the corporate ladder uh, maybe i become an entrepreneur or something um what why would i do that over the course of 10 or 20 years when i could pop open something like tripoli where the expectations are clear um everybody on tripoli is down to meet in person like that's it if it's once a month or once every six months they've got a slot that hopefully is available for you and you could just meet them and you could see that hey josh is a marketing guy he started a company um and he's interesting he's interested in mentoring or being mentored or something like that. And it's just like all the weirdness goes away. Um, you know, all the stuff that people kind of come up against on LinkedIn where it's like, man, I kind of have a professional crush on this guy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Like I see his content. Somebody brought me into his algo and you know, he's posting three times a day and it's all really interesting stuff. I want to meet that guy. You, You send him a DM and it's like, well, this could get weird pretty quick, you know, and I've I heard a lot of people complain about that. Whereas on Tripoli, it's like, Hey, you could just meet your professional crush if you want to, because they're, they like meeting people too. So, um, so it's, it it struck me that you started the podcast uh, in part for that purpose, because, because I think that's what everybody's really looking for is, is something to get kind of beyond the here's, here's who this guy is on Instagram or LinkedIn And into the, well, he lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee, too. Why couldn't we grab coffee and why would it be weird for me to ask? You know? um.
0: One of the things, in addition to realizing that people, you know, may live near you and that you're able to meet them in person, by being able to meet them in person, I feel like you unlock layers to them that you don't see through whatever their profile on LinkedIn or Instagram or insert social media is. And that can open up. So much more opportunity, so many more doors as to how that person might be able to help you and in turn, how you might be able to help that person. There's people in my life right now who, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this. There's people where their outward persona is perceived in one way, but then you begin talking to them and it's just like layers you're pulling back and you're like, wow, you are so much more or deeper than I initially thought you were. And most of the time in such a great way, not always, but I think that's something that you're going to be able to unlock with something like Tripoli is when you go and have those in-person connections, you're going to unlock all of these different layers to people that you might not have related to otherwise. And so that's a really, really cool topic that I think maybe you can tap into whenever you've got Tripoli really launched and running full speed.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think so I I draw a distinction between sort of your your personal PR department, like who Josh Pulgardi is on LinkedIn or wherever, and who who I actually am in person. I, I I draw a huge distinction between that. Like so, I I don't think you can network with the part of me that I only want to show you. I think that a a real network of people that you help and help you in a professional sense is, can really, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say this or not, it can just about only be developed at a minimum in, in a format like this with, but it's at its best when it's in person, to your point, the the, the, people are onions, there's layers, Um, it takes a long time to get to trust. Um, if, if you're wise in this world, you, you might be a little bit slow to trust. Um, and, and to get to that level of trust where the networking part of your network actually happens, where you get a referral or you give a referral, um, you call somebody where, when they're, when, when, when they need encouragement and they call you, or you find a new business partner, it's all from the, the, the trust that can really only be built in person, in my opinion. And that's what we're trying to foster for sure.
0: Well, earlier you mentioned, or maybe I just perceived it this way, but I sensed a little bit of angst against LinkedIn in a way as a a networking platform, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I would ever directly pick a fight with LinkedIn. They're too big and I'm too small, (laughs) but um, I think that there's a big difference between Okay, I come from marketing, right? Um, what LinkedIn is primarily, or what it has turned into primarily is an audience building platform. And and I admire it for that. I'm a huge admirer. I, I, I get a lot of great content off of it, the people I follow. Um, it's It's priceless for that purpose. But I draw a distinction between audience building and marketing in that world and who your real network is. And and what bothers me about LinkedIn is, is that they're perfectly willing to let that sort of message of we're a networking app, persist, even though it's like, it's almost weird when you actually network with somebody in person. If you didn't know me and I said, hey Vinny, I'm in Texas. Let's grab a beer. I love your podcast. You'd be like, ah.
0: <laughs> right, yeah.
1: Um, so so to me, LinkedIn's great for building audiences, PR, networking, all, all that stuff. Celebrating the people that you already know. It's fantastic for that, but it's the starting line for networking. It's not the finish line. Like I didn't, you know, let's say I had twenty thousand followers on LinkedIn. That's a that's a marketing asset you know um and that's the starting line for the networking part which is hey who do you call when you need some legal advice off the books uh and that's and that's your friend who's a lawyer who you met you know in however you met them they go to your church or whatever so um i think i muddied that a little bit but that that is the source of my angst with linkedin is that it's perceived as a networking app when really it seems to be more of an audience building app.
0: I can agree with that to a certain extent for sure. And I hadn't actually thought about it in that light before. But when you put it in that way, I could see how even a lot of the people I follow, even myself sometimes, posting content, not necessarily to connect or build trust with my network, more so to build a following or to admire someone who I am a follower of, something in that. I know there's CEOs and different people that I, you know, kind of aspire to be like. And I follow them for their content, not necessarily because I can call them up and have a beer with them. So I I can see it in that regard. Um, I am curious, this came up earlier when I was thinking about it, but when we think about the potential for earnings, as it relates to your network, the age old kind of question or anecdote of your network is your net worth comes to mind. What is your take on when people say your network is your net worth?
1: Um, of course I wouldn't say they're directly proportional, but there's a correlation there that does justify the, uh, the aphorism, right? Like it does make sense. I I, I think that opportunities come from relationships. Uh, primarily you can pay your way into business success, but it's really the people that are going to help you get there. Um, so, so for example, had I not opened up myself to opportunity, to giving people opportunities to speak with me, I wouldn't have started three companies this year. Um, which means that five years from now, my net worth will be directly uh, proportionate to the extent that I networked five months ago or however long ago. Um, I, I, I think, I think that, I think it's a valid statement. I do. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it?
0: <laughs> I heard it in a freshman business class when I was at Texas A&M. And I still remember the professor who said it to me this day. I'm. He's not my favorite for other reasons, but that stuck with me. And when I think about trying to quantitate it in some way or quantify it, I guess is the better word there, in some way, it's hard because – You said that the people I networked with five months ago are how I will equate it or use as my baseline five years from now when I see how successful these three businesses are. I've never thought about it that way. So you have started to change my mind a little bit on it. Previously, I was of the mindset that it was just kind of fluff. Um, It was something that people say as a good anecdote when they're giving a speech because it can bring a out of the audience. Um, I think it's good because it helps you think a little differently. I think it prompts people to network, which is a huge um thing i advocate for i guess um hopefully we'll write a book on it one day that you know there's ways that you can connect with people that aren't always going to be your cookie cutter just calling people up that you already know equating it to your net worth is a little bit harder for me to make that connection but if i can develop some sort of baseline like you did saying that hey i have these businesses going on these businesses were only created in part because of the people that I had met, and now five years from now, or ten years from now, or whatever it may be, I can look back and say that these people helped me accomplish this, this, and this. Sure, I can I can start to agree with it. So,
1: well, th- th- think about it just in terms of jobs. Um, let me see if I can remember some of these stats cold. Uh, this one I know for sure. If you if if you wanted to leave PwC and get a job at another company. You'd be four times more likely to get that job if an internal employee referred you. Okay, so there's one direct line from who you know and what you, make, you know, know. Um, another one is, the, there's a whole host of jobs. I, I wanna say it's 50%, but that's too clean of a number. There's an insane amount of jobs that never make it to the internet for you to apply to. Because corporations value employee referrals so much uh, to the extent that they'll pay them five ten thousand dollars for a job uh, a candidate referral who ends up getting the job um, so with that in mind, it's kind of like if 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 you're a corporate guy um, you can you can directly tie your two hundred k a year to Steve who recommended you you know um, so. In that way, it's very practical to to start building a network. And I saw an interesting quote uh, recently, which I love. I wish I could attribute it to the guy. I can't remember his name, but he said, uh, "Start building your network before you need your network." Because at a certain point, you will need to call your buddy Ben and say, "Hey, I'm looking for a new opportunity. I can't stand my boss, and I've been dealing it with, with it for five years." And they'll go, "Oh, I, kn- I know some people. I trust you. You know," and. Uh, Boom, you're off to the races. So,
0: well, you broke out the stats on me, so I can't argue with it. I, you actually have like enlightened me a little bit to think about it in a different way. So, I appreciate that. Um, I'm not too stubborn. Yeah. (laughs) No, I, (laughs) I I tend to agree now that you've broken it down, and especially since you've broken out the stats. Um, but hey, I do, I want to think about, um, the way that, People can begin to think a little bit more like you. So aside from listening to the podcast and uh, hearing from you firsthand, if I were to want to consider thinking like you a little bit more, being interested in my entrepreneurial side that might be somewhere within me, I'm curious about what type of content you consume, whether that be none, whether that be books you read, podcasts you listen to, um, whatever it may be. What type of content do you typically consume and any recommendations for our listeners?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, a number one is podcasts, man. I mean, I, I listened to your podcast with Brendan. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but he's a professional speaker and and wildly articulate. All your listeners will be very disappointed listening to me compared to him. Opened my world to like sort of oh there's opportunities in this arena and and he's he's, you know he's doing good things for the world and I podcasts are huge and on that list of podcasts would include you of course Um, and then you've got uh, guys like Alex Hormozzi I don't know if you're you're familiar with that Mm -hmm. name Um, um, I'm drawing blanks.
0: Alex is a great one. I actually listened to his podcast, so I think that's a good one for the listeners um to have as a recommendation for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, talk talk about a guy who who crystallizes like if you want to make money, you work hard. And here's how you work hard. And there's like no excuse. It's like you're you're in control of your own destiny. And as as soon as you start getting down on yourself or bummed out about like how XYZ is going, like he's the guy that's gonna convince you that you can you can outwork this problem and you'll be much better off for it. So uh, big, big fan of his. Oh, the My, My First Million guys.
0: I don't know uh, if I'm familiar with that one. Them.
1: Yeah, they're, they're two startup guys. One's East Coast, one's kind of West Coast. And and uh, they they just, they throw business ideas at you like nobody's business. Like I, they'll, they'll just have whole episodes dedicated to here are 10 people who are making money in these ways that you've never heard of. And you had no idea that you could be successful in, in this realm. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Hmm. So
0: need to check that one out.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, inspiring, but also it'll bum you out a little bit. Cause you're like, man, <laughs> I could be working on so many things. I, there's not enough hours in the day.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. That's um, always a struggle, especially balancing a full-time career with side hustles and whatever else it may be.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And you got your 53 minutes of running you got to do every day too. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, usually not that long unless a guy wants to challenge me on the other treadmill. So, <laughs>
1: um, Beyond that, it, it's hard for me to to pull, to pull book titles. Cause I've, I, I used to be an avid reader as well, but since we've gone digital, it's, it really is a lot of podcasts just cause it works out so well with your, you know, if you're taking a, a walk or, or whatever, it's, it's just so much more convenient. So I, um, other than that, I'm going to be kicking myself later for all the people I'd I'd want to talk about. Those would be good places to start for anybody in the audience who's looking to get a little encouragement.
0: Perfect. Well, I love it and appreciate the shout out. Um, As we kind of get to or nearing the end of the close of the episode, I do want to ask about looking forward. So from all that you've spoken to today about your businesses, your life in general, what are you looking to accomplish? What are your goals over the next? year, 5 years, 10 years, you know, as far out as you can kind of see it or vision it, what are your goals?
1: Yeah, of course. Um gosh, you know, one thing nobody tells you is that your goals get super intertwined when you're an entrepreneur, like between personal and professional, because everything just kind of gets woven together. Professionally speaking, I have 3 businesses right now and Two of them are risky, and I understand that, Um, but they have a good purpose and a good story and a good message, I believe. Um, My goal is to see those two businesses through to either success or failure. So I'm going to ride them into the ground, and I'm going to see them through. Um, So I think a lot of people will start something and get 70% of the way done with it and never find out if it was a good idea or a bad idea. And I'm one of those guys that just never quite hit publish on a couple things. And I'm not that guy anymore. Um, I will either succeed or fail based on these two businesses. And I'm going to find them. Um, so that is my one year and my five year and my 10 year goal, which is to succeed or fail fantastically. Um, because we just don't know. Yeah, I gave you a couple stats about how networking works in the professional world. But is my idea a good idea for Tripoli? We'll find out very soon. The people will tell me, I think.
0: It brings to mind two things. One, anything worth doing is worth doing well. And having tried and failed is better than having not tried at all. And I think those both are a testament to what you were just speaking to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because we just don't know. I mean, everything is just so speculative. I mean, what happens in the next 30 seconds of this conversation is a complete mystery. What that, that next thing you do in a career is a complete mystery, you know? Um, So I'm putting myself out there bravely. (laughs) And, and that is, uh, you know, even, even coming on a podcast, this isn't something I would have done three years ago. Um, But uh, I'm doing it now and, uh, and, and let the, let the people determine if, if that was a good idea or a bad idea.
0: Well, we've definitely enjoyed having you. Is there anything that throughout our conversation today you wanted to tell the listeners that maybe I didn't give you the opportunity to or maybe that has just come to mind uh, that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I would say the quote I can't, I can't attribute to the guy whose name I can't remember, which is start working on your network before you need your network. Um, be generous with your time opportunities come from generosity. Um, as as soon as somebody develops trust with you um, be there for them a lot of opportunity comes out of that for both of you and and uh, and my life kind of shows that up up until this point so um, we're building a waitlist right now at triplee.io. Um if you're interested in this app and getting on it and meeting people uh, real and in the flesh in developing some of those relationships, especially if you're coming up on graduating from college um, or if you're in your 20s, you're thinking about switching careers, you're not sure what to do, you want to know more people, Tripoli is going to be the place for that. And we'd love to have you on the wait list because I'm certainly jealous of people who, who just seem to know people. You know, they're connected. And uh, and 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 what opportunities can come out of those relationships is, is really endless. So. That's
0: what I would say. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone who is listening. If you want to uh, either look out for triple E I'll tag everything in the show notes description to this episode, as well as all of the ways to get in touch with Josh and his social media profiles. That way you can connect with him. I'm sure he will be very generous with his time if you reach out. Um, but thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next one.